Weekend Show with Ken Kidney. Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome everybody to The Weekend Show. My name is Ken Kidney, and I have the great pleasure of being joined by my button-bashing co-host, Garrett. Say hello to the loyal listeners, Garrett. Merry Christmas, everybody. We're getting close now. Two weeks. Less than two weeks away. This week, we talk the best of the festive video game releases. You'll hear our glorious net picks, and as always, we talk the week's top stories. A fantastic show lined up, I think you'll all agree. But before we dive in, Gar, my brother, how was your week? I watched Pan yesterday. It got critically panned. Oh, hey. Oh, I actually, I actually liked it. You liked it? I thought it was a good romp. It got delayed because they, they were, you know, we talked about this in, during our, uh, our summer preview that they, they were cautious about releasing it in the midst of all the summer blockbusters, especially going to head to head with the likes of Minions and Inside Out. But uh, still flopped. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Like, I will. It was utterly ruined by the fellow who played Hook. That's Garrett Headland. Yeah, he was awful. He has the same name as you, Garrett. Were you ashamed? Yes, he's ruined the name Garrett. I, I, I'm kicking out him, uh, him out of my society of Garretts. You must change your name by deed poll now. <laughs> yeah, I rule all Garretts, and you, you have wronged me by making Hook into Indiana Jones for some reason. What was wrong with his performance? It was he didn't deliver a line without it sounding hammy. Like literally, the film is is about about a hundred and or an hour or fifty, give or take. Yeah, every single line couldn't deliver to save his life. So like he he went a bit pantomime with it. Yeah, it's it, just like I am a, a hero and I'm delivering all my lines like this. Is Hook a hero in Hook, this? Hook's a good guy in this. This is before Hook and Pan have somehow wronged one another. They're oh, on yeah. this. Okay, so it's like an origin story. Yeah, they're on the same team, but they don't. They don't, they don't actually get to the origin of how they've wronged one another. They they even end the film on the same page. Well, I'm pretty sure, like in the lore, it's because he loses his hand to a crocodile. So maybe maybe that's Peter Pan's fault, and that's what leads to their relationship going sour. That seems likely. But uh, Hugh Jackman is essentially playing Hook as Blackbeard. Ah, uh, yes. Down to the wig and all. I've heard he's pretty bad in it as well. I thought Hugh was great fun. Because Hugh was delivering the campy lines, but with a, a knowing Hugh-ness. Because he was really good. Do you think if they repackaged this as a musical event film, it would have been more well-received? Anything with Hugh singing is always more well-received. Except Les Mis, which is also a good film. And Russell Crowe's good at singing. And anyone that says otherwise is wrong. It's becoming a, a genre of itself now. Uh, Les Mis, a few years ago was a musical film. I know that they're re-releasing, well, not re-releasing, they're doing a remake of Matilda, but it's based on the musical rather than the actual book this time. Well, at least they're not going to ruin the, the film because that's a good film. I absolutely love the film. I wanted to marry the girl who played Matilda when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, but the musical is fantastic. The music in it is brilliant. So uh, please don't mess with that, Hollywood directors. <laughs> don't ruin it Just for me. Just do the musical as a film and I will pay my money. Yeah, but Levi Miller did a good job as Pan. I thought he was a... a charismatic kid without coming across as precocious mm -hmm. his face looks familiar but i don't know where i've seen him before. No, he was in films okay mud i think he was in mud never seen it is yeah. that matthew mcconaughey yeah probably played, played his son maybe i could see that they look kind of like each other i don't know yeah i liked it i thought it was a fun romp ruined by garrett headland's terrible hook where he was doing his best indiana jones impression he was trying to be indiana jones without any any of like harrison ford's quiet charisma because uh, Harrison Ford was never kind of hammy. He was never over the top. He, always, he was always kind of quietly charismatic. 
Yes. And he delivered the lines with a bit of a kind of a deadpan. Yeah. Not in a wink. Dry wit, not the kind of super over the top, I'm a hero. Any other business guard this week before we get on to how my week went? No, not really. Uh, let's see. That's, what, what did I do this week? Uh, working mostly again. One of, one of Ken's usual, uh, didn't do much. Well, we had, I had my work Christmas party yesterday for Ooh. which I did photography. And that was uh, a spectacular event. Was it actually spectacular? It was. just uh, the, It was Oscars themed and they had like giant Oscar statuettes. And uh, like there was a really nice buffet uh, uh, and uh, drinks galore and... Everyone. Did anyone get drunk and embarrass themselves? Uh, it was getting to that point when I was leaving, uh, but there was like an, another hour left in it. And I think, um, I think if you're at a work a Christmas party or work do, and you get drunk and make a fool of yourself, then it's a very very bad idea. It's quite a bad idea. I mean, I think you you could you could sense it though. You could sense the people who were there to have a good time and they were getting quite drunk, but they were start telling people how they really feel. Exactly, they're still keeping themselves in check just in case that. You know, the boss is there. Everyone's there. All the, the important people are there. So you can't really go up to the boss and get, go like, I never liked you. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're just you're just an idiot. That kind of stuff. This I is what know. Ken did last night. This is exactly what I did last night. I don't even drink. I was just like... Just slur your things, uh, your voice, so you can kind of get away with it. Yeah. And then tell everyone what you think. And then he's quite drunk himself, so he probably won't even remember it. That's ideal. Until he does actually remember it and fires me. But uh, it was a fun night, and yeah, so I, I had that, and uh, not much else, really. Uh, oh, well, I'm going to talk about this later, so uh, there's a bit of Christmas shopping, and I'm going to do some more Christmas shopping tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. Do you know, I kind of last four away, four away into the into the town to, to, to kind of wrap up your Christmas shopping before, you know, you know, usually when you work, like Christmas, the week before Christmas is kind of like solid work. If you're getting Christmas off, you're working the week beforehand, so I'm going to make my last four away into town. Uh, made a, a quite a, an audacious purchase for myself during the week. I'm going to talk about that later because that feeds into our gaming segment. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's like buying all the stuff for other people, get something even better for myself. The the tradition of Ken's present from him for him is, is a long-standing tradition. Yes, usually I get someone else to get it, so it's a surprise, but I bought it for myself. Yeah, usually Ken is just like, here's 50 euro, go buy me a present for me. And don't tell me what it is. Uh, so yeah I'm a very charitable person even to myself <laughs> Gar uh, I believe you chose our top story this week yes it's the release of one of the most exciting trailers from 2016's stacked movie schedule X-Men Apocalypse this one Gar it kind of snuck up on us I think yeah because there was all the talk about Civil War and the, the big Batman versus Superman trailer that dropped recently and it's like hey X-Men's happening next year too guys remember us and but like it really does, it really does set the scene for a, an epic uh, conclusion to the to the Origins trilogy. I think it's that's what they're going with. It's going to be like the conclusion of the X Men Origins first class kind of. Yeah, th- this is it. It looks like a sneaky origin story for the traditional X Men theme. Yeah, so it's like it's like a it's like a soft reboot, but it's also the culmination of the the x-men first class and the the second film days of future past so this seems to become the culmination of that story and beginning of another one which is very clever yeah especially when wolverine coming in 2017 the third solo wolverine film will kind of put a cap on the old x-men trilogy as it were yeah and and hugh jackman has made it very very clear that he will not be playing wolverine well again apparently he, he's, he's softened on that again oh for god's sake like he, he's still saying he's gonna go but then it's like but, you know, if if the story's right or something. This, is, this may blow your mind. 
I think we may have discussed this before, so it may not blow your mind as much as I thought. <laughs> right. <laughs> but by the time he finishes, he'll be playing Wolverine for nearly 20 years. Yeah. He's a good Wolverine. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. It makes me feel old. He's embodied that role. But uh, Brian Singer is returning as director. It says in the trailer, it's like director of X-Men and X-Men Days of Past. It might as well have said, director of the X-Men films you actually like. Yeah. The other ones, forget about those. Yeah. Uh, the Last Stand is it's, oh, it's, it's, it's diabolically it's a bad awful. film it's just like what's his name Brett Ratner came in and it's just like let's blow everything up it's it's appropriate that his name is Rat because yeah. you know rats are are creatures that are dirty <laughs> and uh, <he's, laughs> they ruin everything and they ruin everything they just eat and you know cause plagues but apparently that wasn't them so we the, think it was the gerbils. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a conspiracy theory on behalf not, of the rats. Yeah, I'm not going to libel myself by uh, defaming his character. but uh, I He just, made a very bad film. Yeah, that's, and, he, he, and I don't know how he continues to get gigs because he continues to make bad films. Some people, some people do that. His yeah. films probably make money and that's why. Yeah, and he was uh, tapped up to direct the Oscars a couple of years ago, but he dropped out due to creative differences. Did you want more like explosions and killing off iconic characters? No. Because he did a lot of killing off of iconic characters. Yeah. Eddie, Eddie Murphy was uh, penciled in to do it and then he quit. And then he quit in solidarity, apparently. Wow. Probably because the, the Academy were like, we don't like what you're doing. Yeah. And like he like they they did uh, spoilers, slight spoilers for Days of Future Past. It's not really essential. But the, at the end, they undid everything Brett Ratner did. Yeah, it's like, remember all that stuff he did? Forget about it. Yep. Didn't happen. Uh, in kind of one of those timey-wimey uh, laws of time. Yeah, Wolverine went into the past and now it's different somehow. Exactly, and the future is, is different. Days of Future Past are different. I don't know. Which is a super film, Days of Future Past. Now, uh, X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah, is, moving on to the new one. Is the debut of one of the most major villains in X-Men, but in the in the Marvel universe in general. Yep. That's the, that's the thing about this because I'd imagine this is a a villain that the, the the kind of established Marvel Cinematic Universe would love to have. Yeah. But they're like, nope, we got Apocalypse. Spoilers. His name is Apocalypse. Yeah. Well, th- the name of the film is Apocalypse. Yeah, but people might not have known that. They might have thought it was just a cool title. It just kind of tips people off. Now, the one criticism I've seen, and it is quite like once it's once it's said, it can't be unseen. <laughs> Is that if you have seen the original Power Mighty Morphin Power Rangers film from 1995, he looks exactly like the villain Ivan Ooze. Yeah, he he has that kind of purple thing going for him. Yeah, as in it's it's uncanny. It's like Ivan Ooze had a son and his name was Apocalypse. Yeah, he's been played by Oscar Isaacs. That's his name, isn't it? Yeah, who's like kind of an indie film darling who seems to have kind of broken burst, through, burst into the mainstream. Like he's in the new Star Wars film as well, um, doing a weird British accent. Why do all villains have to have a British accent? Because they're scarier. I guess so. But he's not even, he's like American or like Latino American, I think. He looks kind of ethnic some way. I don't know. Yeah, they're recasting all of like the, the old school roles. There's a new Storm, a new Jean Grey, a new Psychopolis. 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 Cyclops. Is that a new character? <laughs> it's a mixture of Cyclops and Apocalypse. They, they merge together to form Psychopolis. So the, the real story of X-Men Apocalypse is a love story where... They were Scott they, Summers and Apocalypse have a child. They they come from different backgrounds, but then they don't care what everyone, any, everyone else thinks. They love each other, so they're going to. So it's a, a an immortal space space mutant who shoots lasers out of his eyes. So in uh, like he's an alien, 
So that means in his race, both male and female would be able to reproduce. So we're yeah. totally rewriting the canon here, guy. Is uh, well, I'm not sure is he an alien in in this film. I think he is because they're they're establishing him as potentially the first mutant. Yeah, but that then it could just be like I'm from space because he is from space, isn't he? Is he he's Silver Surfer is kind of that's contr- Galactus. Oh yeah, I'm not mixing up like uh, uh, Apocalypse and Galactus. Please send your nerd rage. To, <laughs> yeah, shouting uh, at Twitter at, me. at twskk yeah. or Facebook. Uh, at facebook.com forward slash twskk I think he's the first mutant he's yeah. been, then like, that's, that's what they're saying in the trailer and that he's been essentially revered as a god ever since he was created somehow or became a thing yeah but um, the Ivan News comparison like, I, like, it's ruined the whole film <laughs> it hasn't but like, like maybe they could have changed the colour that might have helped but I don't know he looks a bit the one criticism I would have besides that I don't really care because Ivan News is badass but um he looks a bit fake. Yeah. He looks a bit CG-ish. We'll see how that works because there's still six months of touching up this film has to go through. Yeah, time. so like, you know, people complain about footage in trailers, but that footage is not complete in some ways as well. Yeah. Uh, it's it's the first film in this uh, trilogy, this reboot trilogy to feature our bald Charles Xavier. Yeah. It's not a spoiler. It's in the trailer. Yep. It's the, the, the kind of hook of the trailer at the very end. James McAvoy is going bald. Yeah. I, like is it that like like he gets super overpowered by Cerebro and it, it, all his hair falls out that's, due to distress? That's probably going to be it. <laughs> Something like that. Because he does have t- in the trailer he both has hair and doesn't have hair, so it's not like he lost his hair in the time between Days of Future Past and this film. In this film, he loses his hair. Side note: I'm par- I'm quite proud that I remember what Cerebro was. Yeah, that's that's uh, Charles Xavier's super psychic machine. There is indications that Hugh Jackman may have a role. Now, they've kept him out of the trailer, obviously. Yeah, and he's for... not being listed on any cast lists or anything, but apparently he's been seen on set. Yeah, maybe he's visiting friends. We don't maybe know. he is visiting friends, but... No, he's probably... He's in, he's in the film. Because yeah. he, he is the, the one X-Men who can bridge the gap between the two because Wolverine is hundreds of years old. Yeah, not to mention the fact that, that he's the marquee star of yeah. the whole franchise. And just to be clear, this is a, a McAvoy, Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence era film and not a Stuart McKellen era film. No, so th- th- those older lads are nowhere to be seen, except perhaps Hugh Jackman. Maybe in a flashback, perhaps. But yeah. uh, if you're looking for that, you shall be disappointed. But but there are rumors that um the, the 2017 Wolverine film will have Patrick Stewart in it. So there's that. You can hold on to that. Yeah. Patrick Stewart is... Uh, I share a birthday with Patrick Stewart. Yeah, he's the perfect Professor X. He's the, like, it's literally like the role was made for him. Yeah. But uh, beyond that, he has the coolest voice ever. Yeah, he sounds for, and even, even like Ian McKellen is like, you are so good as Magneto. You are the perfect Magneto. Are they both gay men? Uh, Patrick Stewart isn't. Is he not? No. Oh. They just have I'm a very, like, a very good bromance. I would like if they got married. <laughs> isn't, isn't Ian McKellen married? Uh, I don't know. I think he is. He probably has a partner by now. Yeah, I assume so. Yeah, but uh, slated for release on May 27, 2016. So that seems like a far, far in the future, but... It'll be here before you know it. Yeah, like I always say in January, 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 that, uh, oh gosh, it's another new year. Like the summer is ages away and all of a sudden you're just in the summer and you're like, where did January go? And then... Sitting there watching X-Men. And then you're back to next Christmas and you go, where did the summer? Once you get out of like the first few years of even secondary school, yeah, the, the years just disappear. Nothing is new to you anymore, you see. Yeah, I suppose so. So maybe what we've learned from this new year is to take risks and constantly quit your job. Yeah. To, to give yourself new challenges or something. That's, that's, that's brilliant advice, everybody. 
uh, warning, if you quit your job, the weekend show with Ken Kidney and Gar Kidney would not be held responsible for the consequences. Yeah. I, I thought it was a good trailer, though. It was a very good trailer, and the first of many, many, many big superhero films next year. Yeah. Not only that, but there's a few based on film, uh, film, uh, video game franchises as well. There's Warhammer and Assassin's Creed coming. Yeah. Um, Michael Fassman is going to be in Assassin's Creed, which will, should bring in a bit of gravitas. Uh, I don't think he's playing the main role, though. He's also a very good Magneto. And Travis Fimmel of Vikings fame is going to be the star of uh, Warcraft. So did I say Warhammer? You did. That's a different thing. They're toys. Retraction here. Yeah. I'm mixing up my nerd things today, Ken. Okay, you're like... The first They'll probably was, make a Warhammer film eventually. First it was Galactus. I mean, like... Because they're making a D&D film as well, aren't they? They are. They're making everything into a well, film. Well, they did make a D&D film in the late, late, late 90s with uh, Jeremy Irons in it, which was absolutely horrendously bad. It, it ruined your love of D&D, did it, Ken? No, I've never been a D&D guy. It's not my, my bag, really. So just a quick look forward to some of the other movies. Uh, Batman vs. Superman. Uh, very Been very uh, busy with the trailers lately. The trailer, I think that they cut a very bad trailer recently. I don't think that trailer did much for most no. people, even though I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, because it's, it's not, not a spoiler because it's in the trailer, but like they revealed that Batman and Superman stop fighting each other because Doomsday show up and there's a greater threat. Which, if anybody thought this film wasn't going to end any other way than a greater threat causes Batman and Superman to team up in the end, you were, like, delusional. I mean, they've been more and open about the fact that it's the origins of the Justice League, so yeah. what do you think was going to happen? This but, is, it was always going to happen. It's always going to be, start of the film, they're pitted against each other, middle of the film, they fight each other, end of the film, something shows up, they team up, they stop the thing that shows up. With a little help from Wonder Woman. Doomsday is a cool villain, but uh, some people are complaining about his depiction in... In, in this film it's a trailer you don't know it <laughs> like he's he's vision, like they just said like he's a mixture of of all these other villains from other films oh well but you know maybe that's i thought i thought that uh, the batman versus superman trailer was much better i thought I... they showed a little little kind of humor a little light they're yeah. not like oh the world is ending and batman and superman are fighting each other like the recent trailers have all been like raining and dark and mm. like broody yeah um i don't know i'm just not a, i'm not like that big a fan of batman or superman that i'm really anticipating this film of course i'll go see it because you know it's batman everyone, versus superman i'm gonna go see it but um no it's not doing much for me uh, maybe it's because i'm more of a marvel person yeah and the big one next year is civil war Ken, which we also had a trailer trailer for in the last week or so or the avengers 2 part 2 or the avengers 1 really because it has more avengers in it than any of the other two avengers films yeah um it's it's kind of like it's, it's similar to Batman versus Superman in that uh, that's being slated as a Superman sequel and this is being slated as a Captain America sequel, but yeah. it's really not. Well, yeah, the Superman film, uh, Batman versus Superman is a Superman film that has Batman in it. And this is a Captain America film that has Iron Man, Spider-Man, uh, Black Widow, Ant-Man, Black Panther, Hawkeye. Uh, Hawkeye. Uh, what's, what's your one? Psychic Powers. What's her name? Uh, Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch, uh, War Machine, um, Flying Guy. Uh, the Falcon. Falcon, yeah. It has all these people in it, and I'm probably missing people. Yeah. It even has Martin Freeman in it playing an unnamed kind of agent role. So This film has a lot of people in it, Ken. Is he the new Agent Coulson, perhaps? I don't know. Maybe. That would make a certain degree of sense, but Coulson is still alive in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, Coulson 2.0. Yeah, Coulson was ditched to TV and has never been mentioned in the films again. Yeah. I, I assume the uh, Civil War will have Nick Fury in it in some capacity. Um, 
like these are all coming next year after Star Wars. Star Wars is going to technically count as a 2015 film, so that will go towards, you know, grosses in 2015. So it's probably going to be the top film in 2015. When you think if about, not of all time. Well, yeah, it has it has big competition for 2015 with Jurassic World. Yeah, that film made lots of money. But um, out of these films, like, do you think Batman's going to be the top grossing film? I've always insisted a film where Batman and Superman are in the same film, like Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, Thor. Marvel have done a good job establishing these in the public consciousness, but before 2009, they they were kind of ancillary villains. Yes. Whereas Batman, or villain, uh, heroes even, Batman and Superman have been a kind of a media presence for the last 60 years. Constantly, between films and TV. And them in the same thing together for the first time in a big marketed machine kind of deal. Because apparently this is going to be the most expensive film ever made. Yeah, w- when taking promotion into into account which they should actually add that that should be like a marketing slogan you know this is the most expensive film ever made come see the most expensive film ever made i've always insisted that it would be huge because batman and superman are are the biggest villains around or why am i saying villains instead of heroes the biggest because like all these films these days like the blur the lines like are they vigilantes are they and they always have shades of gray or well, that, that's Dark. what the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Parts. does, because yeah. they they have so ver- so little good villains that they have to pit heroes against each other constantly. And um, one of the things I I th- before I even saw anything about this film, I thought that based on how Tony Stark was going a bit rogue in the Avengers, like he was the guy that the bad guy. Yeah. But uh, for me, the trailer seems to make Cap the bad guy because it's all about the the well whatever it's it's mutant registration in the comics. They can't use the word mutant because Fox on that. So yeah superhero registration act or whatever it is yeah so like basically you've been operating with unchecked uh powers and uh and uh not being held accountable for your act- your activities so that's gonna stop and yeah then, whereas t- uh, tony stark is on the side of that yeah. whereas captain america is more on the side of freedom and liberty which makes a certain degree of sense he doesn't want people to be registering for things yeah. like, w- to be w- kept track of yeah because he lived in a time when that uh did not end so well yep but uh, I think Tony Stark kind of sums up in the trailer his stance on it when he says, without limitations, we're no better than them. Yeah. So uh, I, that's probably my t- top film next year that I'm most looking forward to. But I'm also very curious to see what to do with Doctor Strange. Which becomes. Yeah. The Cumberbitches will be coming out in masses. Yeah. So that's gonna, I think that like that would be my uh, my pick for the sleeper hit of the year. Yeah. Because it's 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 a, I, I like the origin stories of the, mm-hmm. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Ant-Man was a good film. Yeah. It's got a really good origin story. It's got a leading star that's very popular with a lot of demographics. Uh, and uh, he's got a really cool, super cool red cape. Yeah. And so. he's a monk. Yeah. And a scientist. Oh, no, a surgeon. And a wizard. He's a surgeon, isn't he? And an orphan. And then he, he so hurts his things. hands or something. Isn't that his story? There's so many things. <laughs> Doctor Strange. It's, 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 it's very strange. And uh, the promotion has been kind of muted. And I kind of like that in some ways. Like that they don't give away everything yeah but there'll be a trailer soon and then they'll give away everything there will because uh, the, the other films uh deadpool and suicide squad suicide squad is it a teaser trailer it hasn't had a full trailer i don't understand where you go with that film i think batman is in it briefly yeah because i know that they filmed batmobile scenes all right yeah but it's just like a film with all villains it's kind of like the sinister six film i think we talked about this recently that without the without spider-man and it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense it makes sense as a sequel like like uh you know the next batman film batman suicide squad that would have been fantastic or batman and superman versus the suicide squad good film 
Yeah, I like the idea that it toys with the fact that, you know, that, you know, people have two sides to them. Nobody is born a villain. Yeah. So sometimes villains step up to do what's right against the, the greater evil. So it's basically the Batman and Superman plot for villains. Yeah. Or as they put their villainry aside to fight a greater threat to everybody. But, you know, just uh, I will see it. I'll see all these films because yeah. I spend an awful lot of time in the cinema as a non-drinker. It's my only real advice. Yeah. So and uh, there's Ryan Reynolds Deadpool, which I, I fear will go too far down the rabbit hole of being too trying to be too cute and funny for its own good. Like too uh, 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 fan service Yeah, and too self-referential and too like, oh, look how funny and wacky. And it's they're like they're trumping the fact that it's rated or so it's like, oh, look, we're being edgy. It's it's got a cult following, but I worry that's where it's going to stop. Yeah. So but those uh, are big superhero films of 2016. We'll talk more about them next year, some stage. Yeah, you know, we that's that's our bag. So and, uh, you'll hear about more about that. Yeah, the civil tra- civil war, uh, Batman versus Superman, and X Men Apocalypse trailers are all out right now, and they're all good trailers. I like all three of them. Yeah, check them out on YouTube, where all good things come from. Yeah. This week also saw the nominations for the 2016 Golden Globes, which for some is the strongest predictor of where those coveted Oscars will end up. Or maybe people covered the Golden Globes in their own right, Ken. Way to bury the Golden Globes as uh, as below the Oscars. I like that they're voted for by the press because, you know, it's, it's just a different angle. They, they take a different angle to the nominations and the categories as well. Uh, but here are some of the key nominations. So best picture, Gar. Carol, starring Kate Blanchett. What's Carol? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen. It. I, I don't know. This is one I've, I've I've heard of. Like Spotlight is nominated. That's the Boston Globe one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that. I've heard of most of these, but I, I've no idea what Carol is. I, I've, I've actually seen the trailer, and I can't remember. That's a good indication of how good this film is going to be. Mad Max Fury Road, and it, it's rounded out with the very anticipated Revenant, uh, which uh, everyone is saying that this is. Uh, Leo, Leo DiCaprio's last stand for an Oscar. It is his big one. It's like if you don't turn, if you don't give it to me this time, I'm just gonna stop doing films. Yeah, because like it's like it's got the guy from Birdman. His name is later in the script, so I'll read it out. But I can't, I can't remember. It's like it's Spanishy sounding. The Mexican guy. It's got the same guy who did some cinematography for Birdman, who's won the Oscar two years in a row. So basically, he's Leo produced this, so he basically stacked the deck in his <laughs> favor. Like, this is everything I can put together to get me this nomination and give me this award. <laughs> But at a glance, uh, having seen none of these films. I've seen Mad Max Fury Road and it is a bad film that didn't deserve to be nominated. Fantastic Four was a better film than that. I sh- and no one's going to nominate freaking Fantastic Four for a Golden Globe, are they? Well, they might. I don't know. <laughs> I should also note that Room is nominated. I missed that. I'm sorry. I don't know what Room is either. No, but at a glance, <laughs> knowing what all these films are about, at least, except Carol and Room. <laughs> <laughs> knowing what three of the five films are about. <laughs> uh, Spotlight stands out there to me. Like uh, it's what's what like it's Boston Globe reporting on the Boston bombing. I'm pretty sure it's not it? Boston bombing. Oh no. Uh, uh, okay, I think it's something else. Never mind. Yeah, it's this one. It has Mark Ruffalo and people in it. It's it's right in the forefront of my mind what this is about, and I can't remember. <laughs> We've prepared very well for this podcast. Yeah. Um, what I like about the Golden Globes, though, Ken, is that they break to, uh, uh, the big categories into two sections for drama and then comedy or musical. Yes. spreads the love a little. Yeah, and, and it shows that different films can be can be brilliant for different reasons. And be awarded for such. So best motion uh, motion picture, uh, musical or comedy, is The Big Short, Joy, The Martian, Spy, and Trainwreck. Spy now, seems longer ago than this summer for some reason in my head, doesn't it? Yeah, and like, it's the 
like this is a little bit of an aside, but it's the only film I can remember since the first Harry Potter, uh, you know, the first part of the last film where I went to the cinema and it was sold out. I've never yeah, had that. We, we went to it after we did, I think it was right after we did our, our summer blockbuster preview. Yeah. It's like, let's go see one of these. Spy is out and it was sold out. <laughs> and I, I, I thought those days were gone. Yeah. I didn't think that happened with films anymore. But uh, the reason I paused there before saying The Martian is that really kind of shocked me. I, I, I wouldn't consider it a, a comedy as such. It is quite funny. It is quite funny. It does play for laughs, but it, it's more of a dramedy for me. But these these films are usually submitted for categories, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Like the, like the whoever produces it's like we're submitting for the category of best whatever. Motion uh, picture, musical, musical comedy. comedy. Yeah. But it's it's I suppose it's one of those things where like it's funny enough to pass as a comedy. Yeah, everyone take I, I wouldn't have sold it as a comedy though. If no, I, so. it's more of a drama than a comedy. But it's funny enough. Um, I with all the Amy Amy Schumer love in Hollywood these days, I see Trainwreck winning that. I'm gonna go Martian. Interesting because Martian has the dramatic elements too. It's a more rounded film. Best performance by an actress in motion picture drama would be Kate Blanchett from Carol. Brie Larson from Room. Oh, yes, I know what Room is about now. It's that book where uh, this woman and her son are, are are being held captive in a room. Okay. That's basically almost a two-hander film. That sounds depressing. Yeah. I don't like depressing films. People may... Uh, that's what I don't like about the Oscars lately. That the the and big films in general, the prestige films, they're depressing. Yeah. I like the days when Gladiator or Lord of the Rings got nominated. Yeah. These kind of big kind of tentpole Hollywood films the, the that, are, that actually have some joy in them. Yeah. The Oscars in recent years have rejected mainstream films and big budget films to seem legitimate. Yeah. And it, it, I think it's suffered as a result. Like the viewership is down year on year. Um, but uh, interestingly, Rooney Mara is also nominated for Carol. It's, it's rare you see that. Yeah. Uh, Two, uh, two, two actresses nominated for the same. Surely film only the one of them category. can. Surely only one of them can be lead actress. Well, I suppose it can be more than one lead actress, which is Gar. That's called equality. You sexist. God, Ken. One of them has to be supporting Ken. Saoirse Ronan for Brooklyn. Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl. Is that what Eddie Redmayne called himself as he was <laughs> playing a trans? No. <laughs> no, we'll get to him later. I think. Uh, but uh, Saoirse Ronan for Brooklyn. Uh. I've never you've seen Brooklyn. Is it I good? have seen it, and she's very good in it. But I wouldn't say it's like an Oscar-winning film or anything, or a, Canada, yeah. or a Golden Globe-winning film. Uh, I think that she's good enough to be nominated, but I don't think she's going to take any awards, really. Yeah. Uh, best performance by an actor in a motion picture drama uh, is Brian Cranston for Trumbo, Leo DiCaprio for The Revenant, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, and Eddie Ed Redmayne for the the Danish Girl, and Will Smith for Concussion. Eddie Redmayne, that, that one annoys me because it's the most uh, award baitish. Yeah. As in, he's like, like when he did that, he saw himself tying up the Oscar for a second year in a row. Yeah. I don't think it will work, though, because nah. apparently it's been quite uh, uh, a poor response to it. Well, I, I think it's just people thought it was overly safe yeah. in its presentation of a trans person. And, and the struggles, especially talking about one of the early uh, transsexual... Um, you know new new stories like uh or you know one of the earliest examples you know it's not uh it's not uh bold enough in its in its 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 pursuit of that story I think. especially in contrast to what say jeffrey tambor is doing on transparent yeah he's not, he basically he didn't take enough risks with it yeah uh and i think it, you, there's a certain rejection of the fact that 
uh, yeah, it's possible to win two Oscars in a row, and Tom Hanks has done it. And, uh, well, very few people are Tom Hanks can. Yeah, Tom Hanks is a interestingly person. no no Tom Hanks nomination. No, uh, and or Bridges Spies. Bridges Spies is a bit of a snub, but Eddie Redmayne. It just seems like he's just doing those roles that he thinks will win him an Oscar now, which is kind of annoying, and which is why I wouldn't nominate him either. Will Smith is seems to have a bit of a resurgence recently. He, uh, he hasn't. There was a period where he just didn't do many films for a while, wasn't yeah, there? Because like he had a string of films that just didn't do very well, and uh, now he's back in Suicide Squad, which is going to be a big blockbuster. Concussion is is being touted as an award season uh, favorite. I think uh, again, it's one of those cases where he's going to be nominated, so that's a certain rub. But I don't think he's going to get more than, much more than that. I don't yeah, know. there's stiff competition. I think just give it to Leo. Next category. Even again. though the, <laughs> no one cares about the Golden Globe, he wants yeah. the Oscar. No. Go ahead with the next category, Gar. Come on. I have to Contribute. turn. I have to turn pages, Ken. It's best performance by an actress in a motion picture, comedy, or musical, which is Jennifer Lawrence in Joy, Melissa McCarthy in Spy, Amy Schumer in Trainwreck, Maggie Smith's kind of yearly by default nomination, um, uh, the Lady in the Van, and Lily Tomlin in Grandma. No, Gar. What do you think? Well, I don't know. I, I've seen none of these films. <laughs> I've seen Spy. Yeah, um, Melissa McCarthy tends to be quite popular in Hollywood. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna plump for Maggie Smith, mm. having seen little of these films, but just based on what I know of them, and based on what I know of her, I think it's gonna be. And th- there's like th- this era in Hollywood seems to be one that it's like the new Brit invasion. They're just fascinated with Brits. Yeah, and they like lavish award on Brits all the time. Like, so they're just gonna give it to Maggie Smith. Yeah, I think so. Maggie Smith's lovely. Uh, she like she's like she's just been so good for so long. Yeah. Uh, best performance by an actor in a motion picture, comedy or musical is Christian Bale for The Big Short, Steve Carell also for The Big Short, Matt Damon for The Martian, Al Pacino for Danny Collins, and Mark Ruffalo for the the best named film in all the Golden Globe nominations, Infinitely Polar Bear. Totally gonna see that. It's uh, I think it was out in America a month or two ago. Yeah. I don't think we've done it yet. Mark Ruffalo is one of those actors who who's who's very versatile in the sense that he's amazing in dramatic roles, but like he's, he's got the Hulk. A, he's got a great sense of humor and he's got a face for comedy as well. Yeah. And he's the Hulk. So that's amazing. But uh, I don't know anything about that, but I think maybe Steve Carell might be thrown a bone this year after last year. Just because he didn't get it last year. Yeah. Or, well, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Matt Damon on the grounds of, again, the only film of that bunch I've seen. Go ahead, Gary. You can, you can have the next one as well. Uh, best performance by an actress in a supporting role in any motion picture. They don't break poor supporting act- actors and actresses into comedy, musical, or drama. They have to cut it for time, Gary. It's, it's, it's a long <laughs> Yeah. Jane Fonda, Youth, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee in The Hateful Eight, uh, Helen Mirren, there's her thumbs up, in <laughs> front Trump. Trumbo. Uh, that there's a bit of a typo there, sorry. God, way to mess up the script, Ken. Sorry. Uh, Alicia Vikander in Ex Machina and... Kate Winslet in Steve Jobs. So she's been nominated in Best Actress and Best uh, Supporting Actress category, Gar. Who? Alicia Vikander. What was she in? The Danish Girl as well. Ah. Fair play to her. Yeah. Apparently Ex Machina is very good. Uh, I saw it and I was like, eh, probably like a a 6 out of 10 film. It's based uh, on what all good things are based on these days is... uh, uh, Comic books. Comic books. Comic books. Just go straight to You knew exactly what I was going to say before (laughs) I even said it. Uh, next up is best performance by an actor in a supporting role is Paul Dano, Love and Mercy, Idris Elba, Beasts of No Nation, Mark Rylance, Bridge of Spies. Michael Say no Sh- more, he's won it. He's very good in Bridge of Spies. 
people are, are losing their shit over he Mark is Ryland. fantastic in Bridge of Spies and actually the big friendly giant trailer dropped this week which is, is the next Spielberg film is he playing the BFG he's playing the BFG uh-huh. yeah but like his face actually like, like, like you don't see much in the trailer you actually you see kind of his face but like they've modeled it after him and it's actually really adorable yeah so Mark Rylance we're, we're rooting for you Mark uh, Michael Shannon, 99 Homes, and Slice Stallone Creed. Go home, Shannon and Stallone. You <laughs> yeah. may as well not be there. I think that's the only nomination, or at least big nomination, that Bridge of Spies got. Yeah. Because Spielberg didn't even get a nod. That Well, I've only listed the main categories here, but yeah, Bridge of Spies is, is, is uh, the first one that we've named so far. Yeah. Like, so, no actor for Tom Hanks and no director for Steven Spielberg. Yeah, so, Garrett, that segues nicely to Best Director in a Motion Picture. Yep. Todd Haynes for Carol. Alejandro G. Inaratu for The Revenant. Like, he seems like that, one of those guys is going to be nominated every year now. Once he makes a film, he'll be nominated. It's like Tom Hooper at that time. Like, he just got, like, there's, like, he got nominated for the first one. And, like, every year, like, it kind of, it's kind of a knock on effect because you get picked to do these bigger films and then every year. And you, you bring the same sense of style to bigger films. So, yeah. So he's going to be around for years to come. Tom McCarthy for Spotlight, George Miller for Mad Max Fury Road, and Ridley Scott for The Martian. So, guy, you would extract George Miller, I, I would imagine. I think, I think he might win it. You think so? I don't think they've nominated that in two different categories for no reason. You think so? Yeah. Well, there has to be voting take place, so you never know. Like, it's, it's all based on a vote. So. Yeah. So, I think people are going to look at that. They're not going to give it best film, but I think they'll look at best director and go, "Great job, great job, George." So, yeah, I, I would pick. Hmm, I've seen two of those films. So uh, I, I'm more qualified than a lot of these categories. I would almost say Ridley Scott for that one. The Martian is a very a very nice looking film. And a very competent film as yeah, well. Yeah, it's very well handled. Best screenplay motion picture is Emma Donahue for Room. Tom McCarthy, uh, Josh Singer for Spotlight. Charles Randolph, uh, Adam McKay for The Big Short. Aaron Sorkin for Steve Jobs. And Quentin Tarantino for The Hateful Eight. So uh, it's between Tarantino and Sorkin, I would say. Yeah, Sorkin, Sorkin. Yeah. <laughs> he just, he, he he writes good things. But award season loves Quentin Tarantino as well. Yeah, they tend to. So uh, I'll, I'll pump for Sorkin as well, I think. Yeah. And uh, finally, best animated feature film, uh, Animalisa. I've, I've never heard of that. I've heard uh, rumblings about it, but I couldn't. I assume it's foreign because they tend to do that. They tend to to uh, nominate like four US domestic films and then throw in a, a foreign animated film like just. a Japanese one or a Spanish yeah. one or something. For good uh, measure. It's it looks to be stop motion. Which is always neat. That takes a lot of work. <laughs> but uh I'd have to get back to you after I check it out. The Good Dinosaur, Inside Out, The Peanuts movie and Sean the Sheep movie. So that's two stop motion films, Gary. Yeah. From what I can see. Uh Inside it's, Out. It's got to be Inside Out. It's going to win. Like they might as well just nominate Inside Out and give it to Inside I Out. I haven't seen The Peanuts movie. Uh it's been very well received, but they said some they said they got a lot of reviews I have the consensus that it's lost uh, the spirit of what uh, Charles Schultz was trying to achieve. Well, some things have to change. Yeah, but the style of animation is so interesting in it that I think it could win something just because of the technical achievement because it's a very strange mix between 2D and 3D and, uh, and it also looks like a comic strip in a way. Mm. So like, it's it's uh, from a technical point of view, it is a very, very interesting uh, film and I think that uh, that might get awarded. Yeah, those are the Golden Globes. Yeah, we'll probably talk about them when we've seen more of these films again. Yeah, and when the awards actually come around in January, I think, isn't it? Yeah. 
I'm surprised a lot of these films haven't been released yet. Yeah, hosted by Ricky Gervais, who oh, said no. he was never doing one again. Oh, but and well. he'll, he'll try and be cool and edgy, and I'll just roll my eyes and think he's stupid. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, pronounce his atheist ways over and over again. Yeah, why can't we just have Amy Poehler and Tina Fey just do it? Like even just repeat repeat what they did last year. Just air you know the the, the opening monologue. Just re air it. Yeah, it'll just, be, it'll be more entertaining. Just put their bits in for just like in between. But uh, moving on, Gert, do you want to set us up for our last story this week? Yeah, everyone wants to be in line, the first in line for everything, Ken. Well, there are people who are going to great extremes to be first in line for Star Wars. So the, the film doesn't arrive in theatres for another six days, yet some ultra hardcore fans are already camped outside for as many as four days now. And that's that's ten days in line for ten. a film. <laughs> do these, like... Obviously, these people don't have jobs. I, w- I would hope not. I hope they didn't take two weeks off to bloody stand in line for two weeks. Imagine that. It's like, oh, so, so, Jim, you went on holidays for two weeks. Oh, yeah. What did you do? I stood in line for Star Wars. <laughs> it's just incredible. I, 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 don't, well, like, I don't understand it, but I, I don't think I've ever loved anything that much to do that. Uh, the New York Times reported this story. Uh, it said the queue had become, begun at the, at the historic Chinese theater in Los Angeles. With other cinemas writing for similar lines to begin forming. but They're, they're aware there are lots of cinemas who show films multiple times. Yeah. So they're aware of this. There's not just one that shows the film once and no one can ever see it again. A quote from a fan says, yes, we still have a very long time to wait. But uh, no, we're not crazy. Yes, they are. But uh, I suppose it's part of the experience. I don't think they're camping out so much for the payoff uh, than the experience of... Of being in a shared experience and, and, and camping out together with other fans. Just hope they don't get sick in the depth of winter. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a Star Wars tradition. Uh, you know, you know, the ticket buying process has changed dramatically since the first film in 1977. You know, even a decade since the last film, the Re- Revenge of the Sith, you know, you could buy your tickets in a moment online. Just pre-book them. Uh, but, you know, people just like, uh, you know, dressing up and queuing up and... And interacting with other fans, well, the one in front of you and the one behind <laughs> you, because <laughs> like you can't really lead the line. Uh, like I suppose people do it in teams and stuff like that. But like tagging um, in and out. There's gonna be some mass nerd brawl at some side. I'd say when someone does cutsies, <laughs> you or can't else, get in. Or else, if I know nerds, they'll complain about it silently while letting it happen. Uh, they'll also probably tweet about it. Tweet about it. Nerd rage. I like the way we give out about nerds. <laughs> But uh, the one silver lining is that there's also a charity component in many of those waiting in line at the moment. There better be. Courtesy of liningup.net, a quote from the company says, we want to cre- recreate the classic line experience of legions of fans lined up for days. Why? Gathering in force. To, gathering in force, like it. <laughs> That's a Star Wars pun, Ken. To celebrate the next piece of cinematic history, uh, read a statement on the website. We can't wait to capture the lightning in the bottle again on the streets of Hollywood. Participants will raise money for Starlight Children's Foundation. There were easier ways to raise money. It's nice, though. Standing in line for 10 days? Yeah, but, you know. It's stupid, Ken. You're mean. I am mean. Spend 10 days going door-to-door raising money for charity and then go to a film in a different cinema. You don't have to see it in the Chinese theater. I'm sure it's not even that good a cinema. It's probably a good cinema. I don't know. I haven't been there. I've been there. I want to see TMNT there. Oh, uh, dear Lord. Dear Lord, it was the only thing on and I wanted to say I've been to the Chinese theatre and it was horrendously expensive. That's the only thing I remember yeah, about it. That's the thing. These people are pay, standing in line for 10 days to be extorted. To pay extra for just the same film they could get for half the price down the road. But yeah. Anyway. Uh, on a related note, plot information for the new film has been 
uh, very scarce. Uh, I, I do like that. That like he, he JJ Abrams is like, let's release another five seconds of footage, yeah. and then people are like, oh my god, five more seconds. But that's what I was going back to earlier. The the less you give them, the more they're going to anticipate. So like that's why it's done millions upon millions, like forty million at the last count in pre-sales. I was I was wondering, like, th- this film probably has a substantial marketing budget. Yes, and it needs none of it. Exactly. There is not a single person who's going to see this film because they didn't know what was happening and they saw an ad on TV. Basically, the fact that they haven't given them anything has caused it to become a phenomenon already. Yeah, I, I would wonder, like, they're, the, the marketing is not going to add up to extra ticket sales to, to make up for the cost of marketing. Yeah, but do you think less is more in marketing in this case? Like, it's the same with Civil War. They just put that trailer online. They put it on the internet and they got 60 million views. Exactly. They didn't need to spend a cent. But Gary, getting back to the point I was going to make. Yeah, marketing I, I take your point, but I, I think with big films, less is more. I think less is more in marketing. Is, is None it... is more in the case yeah. of big films. Just throw your trailer in the internet and people will nerd out and spread the word themselves. So, yeah. What are you doing, Hollywood? You could save so much money. Yeah, just keeping marketing firms alive. Uh... Many fans rejoiced during the week uh, with the news that much-hated George Lucas creation Jar Jar Binks will not be appearing in the new film. So they say, Ken. That's the exact kind of thing they keep under wraps if he is in the film. Until new, you know, the, the new Darth Vader character with the cool new lightsaber takes off his mask and it's, it's Jar Jar Binks. I would love that. That would be the best thing ever. Voted in 2006 as the most annoying character in movie history, Jar Jar Bung, uh, Bunks. Jar Jar Bunks. Yeah, that's his his uh, son. Who's going to be in this film? Yeah, is is the new Darth Vader? Uh, people, uh, send your nerd rage to t- Twitter at TWSKK. This will be so good. We'll uh, make our own Star Wars film. Basically, he was uh, a bumbling comic relief Gungan from Planet Naboo, uh, who made his debut in the first Star Wars uh, prequel, The Phantom Menace, in 1999. I thought that was earlier. I thought it was later. I thought it was like 2000, 2001. The character was so hated that his name has became an ent- uh, become an entry in the Urban Dictionary as something that ruins all that comes after. <laughs> Nothing can be redeemed. I, I, I'm not entirely certain, but in the uh, prequel trilogy, he becomes a senator of some kind. Yeah. And they basically imply that everything that happens is his fault. Yeah. Because he doesn't, he gets hoodwinked, basically. Yeah. Anyway. That's the reason people don't like the Star Wars uh, prequel trilogy. Just for one character, it's a bit hard. That reassuring piece of news signals a happy end to our stories for another week. We will get our intern, Jar Jar Binks, searching for more in time for next week. He's not in the film, so he's looking for a job. <laughs> Please don't barrage us with hate tweets. He's fallen on hard times and it's Christmas. Come on, guys. Well, yeah, he, he does our social media. Yeah, so go to uh, Twitter at TWSKK. Tweet at us. You're talking to Jar Jar Binks. That may or may not be true. Perhaps. Perhaps. Coming up after a quick break, we talk the best festive video game releases. Stay with us. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download every Sunday at soundcloud.com slash the weekend show. Welcome back to the Weekend Show. As we all know, the Christmas period is a marquee period for video game releases. If you're like us, there are many promising titles on our list, but there are limited funds, so choices have to be made. But never fear, we are here to make your selection process that much easier. Gar, you're our resident video game expert. Who has the most appealing lineup this year, in your opinion? Well, I might be slightly biased, but I'm probably going to say like Wii U. 
because yeah. uh, you're quite the fan of a Wii U, I, I, I hear. I am. I'm including like the whole year of releases, not just you know, um, the Christmas period. Because uh, games pile up, you miss them, and then you catch up on them on Christmas. That's generally how these things work. Yeah, but if like if you were to say like summer is is the season for blockbuster films. A lot of game companies are focusing on Christmas now. That's yeah, they, they pile up on Christmas. Makes sense. Like when, yeah, when you originally, you, like you just wrote the list of consoles and you originally had like Xbox One and PS4 as two separate things. Yeah. And um, like there hasn't been that much Xbox One and PS4 exclusives this year. I don't know. I don't know games. Yeah, because there's Halo, which is a shooting game and I'm not a fan of shooting games. And they're, they're on the, the Xbox there's there's they've released the gears of war remake which is i think just a, a hd remastering of the first gears of war and they have like rare replay which is a, a what looks like a really neat compilation pack of 30 games but mm-hmm. it's it's uh old game uh, it's remastering old games again not releasing anything new and on playstation there's bloodborne and that's about it so, well yeah. that's all you get for exclusives this year so when uh, so I combined them. Go ahead, Gar. I, I will comment as much as I can. There is Star Wars Battlefront. Star Wars is a film that's coming out. Yes, which uh, I'm sick of Star Wars. Actually, I know we talked we talked about it this week and we talked about it last week. I'm kind of sick of hearing about Star Wars. It's kind of unavoidable, I think. Yeah, just it's it's seven days until the film releases because we get a we get a day early, don't we? Uh, I'm not I sure. think we we get it on the seventeenth. The rest of the, the the Yankee Doodles don't get it till the 18th. We love you, Yankee Doodles. We yeah. didn't mean to deride you in any way by calling you that. Yankee Doodles, sing the song. Doo-da, doo-da. Is this a, an MMO or? or? Uh, no, it's more of a shooter than anything else. But like, obviously, there's going to be an online element. It's mostly online, by all accounts. The, the biggest the, the biggest critique of this game is that it lacks content. Yeah, because like you know, not everybody has access to a strong Wi-Fi signal or tr- strong uh, internet, so. Are you leaving those people behind? There, there are some games that have moved toward always needing to be online. Yeah. Which is just like, no. Because, like, the biggest market for, for game games at Christmas is obviously the, the kiddies. Like, yep. So are you uh, are you just like, because, like, and parents aren't going to pay for a game that they have to pay for something else to, for them to play, play. Yeah. They want to just get a game that they can play, just, uh, plug and play, for want of a better term. Uh, so uh, I've seen this game. It looks impressive. It but looks beautiful. That's its biggest selling point. It looks absolutely gorgeous. But uh, like not being a games expert, I think that the heavy, heavy reliance on online is going to hurt it, I think, in some ways. And apparently there's just not much there. There's not many maps, not many modes, not enough kind of going for it. Like Super Mario Maker is a game that has a large online component. You know, you need to go online to play other people's levels. You need to go online to upload your own levels. But, but it's a, it's a game that you can play in itself as well. Yeah, it comes packed in with like I think it's about seventy pre-made levels, pre-made yeah. by Nintendo, and you can spend hours making your own levels. Fair enough, you have to actually get an internet connection to put them up into the world, but you can uh, make them offline. But it's not useless without the internet, is what you're saying? Yeah. Whereas this game kind of is. I'm not sure there's much of a, a single player campaign. And next is Call of Duty Black Ops Three, which is the, the latest entry in the Call of Duty series. There's shooting, there's a seven-hour campaign, there's online multiplayer. That That's it. <laughs> Cara, we were in a, a, a video game shop the other day, and it was actually sold out. So I, that, that's, uh, Was it? Yeah. I didn't notice. Couldn't be got, apparently. Because, yeah, the, the yearly Call of Duty games, they, they pump them out every year, they add kind of incremental changes, and they sell them like hotcakes. 
yeah so that kind of says it all it's 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 just a it's just a hot seller it's a it's a strong brand assassin's creed syndicate gar yeah I, I, I thought that was being pushed back until after the year no no that was released for christmas yeah uh this is my issue like i'm not a game a huge gamer but before you'd wait maybe two or three years for a game between sequels and you got a quality game it seems that they're they're churning out a game they're aiming to churn out these games every year now you see, I think in the long run, that will be to the detriment of the franchise. Because, first of all, it's overexposed. Yeah. And more often than not, like every single week, you have to download some kind of patch for the game. Because yeah, it's, it's just not finished. It's not finished or it's buggy. So uh, I think, you know, it's, it's like there's more people than ever in these gaming companies. That's how they're able to, like, there's thousands of people working on games. That's how they're able yeah. to churn them out. They have it. different teams. Like, it's not the same team working on this year's Call of Duty that's working on next year's. It's a different group. It just can't be significantly different enough in the space of a year. Yeah, it just can't be. Because if you look at what happened in the 90s when Sonic went head-to-head with Mario, they released a new Sonic game every year. You know, they, they wanted to keep that Sonic buzz going because, let's face it, it's all Sega had. Yeah. And they burned out on Sonic. And, like, Sonic... and now they just make bad Sonic games and that's another problem yeah. altogether. And Sonic isn't remembered as fondly or nor near as iconic as Mario because less was more with him. Yeah, Mario won in the end. There's one thing we want you to learn from this podcast is that less is more. Yeah, because like uh, if you look at Mario games, if you look at like mainline main series Mario games, there there's Mario, Mario 2, Mario World, uh, Mario 3, Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, uh, New Super Mario Bros. Wii, uh, Galaxy, Galaxy 2, New Super Mario Bros. 2 and New Super Mario Bros. 3D World. And there's all the spin-offs. And well, there's, there's yeah, he's in, he's been in a hundred games, but yeah, <laughs> I think it's like four hundred or something he's been in. But if you consider main series games, I think there's been about eleven in thirty years. So no, th- there's yeah. been that many Call of Duty games in the last eleven years. Yeah. So do you think that's a, a criticism you have the games industry in general, Gary? Well, yeah, they 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 want to churn out things, they want to increase profitability, and they want to do it at the lowest cost possible, which you can understand. As like for a lot, as long as people buy these games. The likes of Ubisoft and Activision will continue to churn them out year after year after year. Fallout Four, Gary. Yeah, Fallout Four is the. the uh, I do know this is the fourth one. It's the fourth entry in the post-apocalyptic Fallout series. Big open-world game, lots of kind of quests. There's a lot to do in Fallout games. So at least if if you're getting your kids, well, it's all of these games are violent. <laughs> um, I would say uh, that would be a teen game, like maybe a, a, a twelve, a twelve and up. I would think. Yeah, most of these games are like yeah. all these, all these games involve killing people. <laughs> but you know that that stuff about it leading to people becoming psycho killers is a bit of rubbish. Yeah, it's so. patently untrue. It, that happens with every form of media. Yeah. Like, like with comic books, it's like, oh, comic books is, are killing the minds of children and TV is killing the minds of children and films are killing the minds of children and the internet is killing the minds of children and, video games, true, and <laughs> video games are killing the minds of children. It's like, shut up, children will be fine, stop fearing change. All things in moderation and um, your kid is smart enough to know this is not real. Yeah, and if you're a good enough parent, your kid, your kid will get through it. Um, anyway, after that rant, Fallout 4, uh, if you're looking for a meaty experience, you'll put you'll pour hours and hours into Fallout 4. Yeah. Bloodborne, Garrett, that seems to be... Uh, Ooh, Bloodborne. It's a divisive issue, Garrett. It's a divisive... I like Bloodborne. I think Bloodborne is a good game that has very serious flaws. It doesn't look that great. There's times where it's like, it looks very pretty. And then there's the, the rest of the time, it's kind of grays and blacks and browns and very dark colors. It's just like... 
you churn this out unimaginatively. It's very good with atmosphere. It's very good with tension. It's enemy design and creature design is fantastic, even if its bosses are cheap. It relies on cheapness in, in, in place of actual difficulty. Its gating is annoying. You know, you walk around, they try to create this kind of open world, but then you come across a gate that's locked and then another gate that's locked that you can't get through until later. And that's annoying. But it is a good game. <laughs> uh, is it one of those ones that, her, that her has replay value, which is a lot of hours in it? They're, they do have new game pluses. They've released some DLC, I think, just a month or two ago. The the old Witch Hunters. That's relatively recent, but that's paid DLC as far as I know. Yeah, so, uh, Which is the new the new horrible trend in gaming where they release a game that's not finished and then charge you for the rest of it. It's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's just like, it's really rich, isn't it? It is. That's what I like about Splatoon because Splatoon released with a moderate amount of content. There wasn't that much, mm-hmm. but they poured it on ever since and every single bit of it has been free. Exactly, because you've already paid for it. Yeah, you, you paid 50, 60 bucks for this game and then they want to charge you another 40. Season passes annoy me because they say, buy our season pass for all our downloadable content before they even tell you what all their downloadable content is going to be. And it might not even be that enough to make it worth it. Yeah, uh, and there has been cases in the past where downloadable content has been cancelled. And in fairness, they've usually refunded season pass money. But it's just like, stop it. Make full games and stop trying to uh, nickel and dime people out of every cent you can possibly get out of them. Rant over? I'm ranting today. I'm in a ranty mood. Okay, yeah, I understand. Uh, you know, uh, this is probably more, uh, more my area. Sports games are always a safe bet if you're if you're looking to get something for for your friend or or brother or mother. If your mom's into gaming, I don't know. Uh, FIFA, Madden, Pro Ev, uh, WWE, Two K Sixteen. They're all they don't change that much, but people want to play them anyway. Yeah, their year to year releases were generally they update rosters and add a feature that they took out two years ago yeah. <laughs> and pretend it's new again. But, you know, you get what it says in the 10. And rounding out the PS4 and Xbox One is Just Cause 3. Yeah, it's another one of those kind of big open action adventure games where it's essentially, it takes like ridiculous Michael Bay-isms yeah. and turns them into a playable video game. But the, the only thing I'm noticing is like that the games industry is becoming like Hollywood in some ways. It is. It's all dependent on sequels. Sure, like new IP is rare. I like when new IP, new ideas, new 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 concepts. But if one of them hits, they're gonna run that bloody thing into the ground. Because yeah. like technically, Bloodborne is a new release, but it's based heavily on the Dark Souls series, so it's not really a new release. It's not really a new idea. It's more of a, a spin-off of another one. Okay. Uh, moving on to your favorite console, the yes, Wii U. The Wii U, which can be accused of of being slightly the same. You know, it's all Mario's and Zelda's and Yoshi's. Yeah. But they're good Mario's and Zelda's and Yoshi's, so I have less of a problem. And as I said, generally, Nintendo release one of those games per console cycle. Generally. Yeah. You know, it's like... You one get, main main game, anyway. Yeah, you, 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 not, exclu- not including spin-offs. The, uh, every so often, there's two. But, you know, there's generally one Zelda per console. We had two, but that was kind of dubious because one of them was tied to the GameCube. There's generally one, maybe two. We actually had three Marios, but that's because the results of them and one of them was a sequel. But yeah, generally it's like, here's your Mario game for this console, fire away. Though lately it's 2D Mario and 3D Mario, which are two different kind of franchises. Anyway, I'm rambling. Um, The first Wii U game, Super Mario Maker, Ken. A game I played for 160 hours. That will tell you all you need to know about it. Um, And the great thing is that uh, the Wii U 
is for all ages game. Yeah, I would say that's that's the best thing about these games. And Mario Maker is a very it's, it's Mario. You know, it's, it's kids friendly. It's colorful. It's fun, and it it, it kind of scratches that creative itch as well because you're co designing things, you're making things. Yeah. So it's good for kids' uh, brains and development. Yeah, and problem solving and and, and creativity, but. Uh, it's one that, that's like if you have younger kids that the like you you can have like like lovely Christmas morning experience where you sit together and play it. So like like dad can sit with son and and the son can make a Mario Maker level and dad can play it and be frustrated at his child for creating they, something devilish. Yeah, or they just figure it out together. Like, but uh, I wouldn't say we I wouldn't say it's for young children. But you uh, but uh, it has games that are for young children. Yeah. Like Kirby and the Rainbow Paintbrush this year was released and it, it's very kid friendly. Yeah. And like Yoshi's Woolly World is, is a tough game if you play it normally. But yeah. there's a mode in it where you can just add wings to Yoshi. Yeah. And he can fly through the level. Yeah. Just just, you know, if there's a kid who's having trouble, who's not great at video games. Here's Yoshi's Woolly World, a gorgeous looking game. It looks absolutely fantastic. And it's like, let's add wings to Yoshi just to make it a little easier for the kids. Make it approachable yeah. for lots of people instead of making uh, the same kind of game for a particular kind of people. So I think the Wii U struck the balance that the Wii didn't, that the Wii was focused on families. Yeah. Where this it has more has more for the, the hardcore gamers, but also still has enough for families. Yeah, you see, the problem with the Wii is that uh, they relied on gimmicks too heavily. And any any kind of really good experiences on the Wii almost flew under the radar. Game, yeah. Games like Mario Galaxy or like the Zelda games, Twilight Princess or Skyward Sword. It was all kind of Wii Sports waggling your Wii mode. Whereas the, the Wii U kind of found the balance of here's a really good game that's also approachable for younger ages. So, Gar, if you just give me your top three picks for oh. everyone for the Wii U, but before we move on to, to some of the more re new releases uh, for Christmas, who what would you say? I would go... Um, well, are we talking games released this year or just in general? Well, like, they're all available, so to say. Just, yeah. yeah. I'd go Super Mario Maker, even though I think Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U is a better game. Yes. You'll get more out of Super Mario Maker. It's longer. It's more of a family affair as well, if you want it to be. Well, it has uh, Super Mario 3D World has multiplayer co-op as well. I know, but I just like Four the idea of, of... I've already said it. I like the idea of a father and son sitting down together, making Mario levels, bonding, and, and crying together. Yeah. But yeah, Super Mario Maker, you'll get loads of that. Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. Yes. Which right. is just a mascot brawler. It's like, here's Mario and Sonic and Pac-Man and eventually Cloud and punching Pikachu. each other in the face. And Pikachu. Yeah. And Charizard. If you ever wanted to punch Charizard in the face with Link, you can now. Yeah, so, you know, enough said. Who doesn't want to do that? And I'm going to go Splatoon. Because it's a shooter where you can literally, you can be so bad at it that you can shoot the ground. Yeah. And it's good. Yeah. You're contributing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I like about it. Again, they took a, an established franchise in the shooter franchise. And it's like, how can we make this more approachable for lots of people while, without sacrificing kind of it being a very good experience in its own right? It's like, how about we have a game where, you know, if you shoot the ground, it's not that bad. Yeah, it's it's colorful. It's fun. It's inclusive. I've, I haven't had a chance to play it myself. I've seen you play a lot of it. I, 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 I like we are spending Christmas together, so I will give it a try at Christmas. As well. Yeah, I'll make you. You'll get destroyed. Destroyed by you. You know, but like I don't play them to win. Yeah, I play because I want to have a nice time with my brother. And if you're looking for a kind of more adult experience on the Wii U, uh, go for Xenoblade Chronicles X, which is another one of those big open world games. It looks gorgeous. Uh, it's more adult. It's an RPG. It's aimed at a kind of a hardcore audience. Is it kind of a Final Fantasy style Yeah, kind game? of a Final Fantasy. It's that kind of style of game. Except uh, more open, a lot of quests. And it's, it's apparently like 100 hours long. 
But like, that's what you want, though. It is. It? You can pour your life into this game if you wanted to. Like, it's just like some 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 games seem so cheap. Like when you read like sixteen hours gameplay, and you're just like, you'll finish it in a day. You will, like, yeah. Uh, well, maybe two days. But like, some people will finish it in one sitting. Like, like there are people who are like a lot. Uh, the vast majority of reviews I've read for this game couldn't finish it on time to get the review out. It's just like the reviewed based off like 50 hours gameplay didn't finish. So this is the exact opposite of what I was talking about earlier. Games that are churned out every year and, and have are, are little or nothing to them. This one gives you bang for your buck and it costs the same money, I imagine, doesn't it? I think it's slightly cheaper. Wii U games generally skew a little cheaper. What more could you want? And then, yeah. And then there's stuff like Mario Tennis, Amiibo Festival, just kind of light, fun games for everybody. Spoilers, Gary, I got you Mario Tennis for Christmas. You already know that. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. It's like, Gary, I'm getting you Mario Tennis. Is that all right? It's like... Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I prefer to get you a game that you want. Um, 3DS cannot be denied. Like, there's gonna like it's it's not a new console, but there's gonna be a ton of those sold this Christmas. There's already 50 million sold, and there I think in terms of getting a bargain on a system, there's some really good 3DS and 2DS bargains out there. And Ken, we were walking around Smith. You were buying bonus presents for people in Smith's Toys. Yeah, in Smith's Toys, which is a toy and game store. And we spent hour, two hours there. We spent two hours wandering around while you hummed and hawed over spending a certain amount of money on what were you going to get. And, and then just as we were going up to pay, Ken, what happened? I impulse bought a DS. Yeah, Ken's just like, you know what? I want a 3DS. No, I actually started a 2DS. Yeah. Because it's cheaper. Uh, it's, it was 105 euros, uh, which is more or less the same in dollars. With the new Super Mario Brothers 2. Make, no, Super Mario's Maker came out. No, Super, new Super Mario 2. Super Mario Maker is a Wii U game, Ken. It's not thought, on 3DS. It'd be cool if it was on DS. Uh, what I would like is if uh, I'd imagine the making levels would probably be hard to port to 3DS. But like have the best levels on it? Or just, you know, the, the, the ability to play the downloadable levels on 3DS. That would be cool. Or like, be, yeah, so, yeah, um, so I was going to get that. And then the the guy in the shop totally, totally upsold me. Yeah, he's just like, oh, we have this uh, 3DS XL with Pokemon. For another 35 euro. And it's like, it's made a lot of sense because like you're getting like the, the, the premier handheld console. Yeah. With Pokemon, which I love anyway. Yeah, it's XL with 3D. And it was just like, damn it, you got me. <laughs> yeah. I got it. But like I just remember, I got I, like it wasn't so much that I was worried about the money. I was just worried about getting you, you and brother Ed something that you would like. So you're welcome. Yeah, I love you. Um, Gar Gar. Again, you're just like Gar Paper Jam, and like yeah, <laughs> um, Mar Super Mario Paper Jam, which sounds great. I want to play it myself. Yeah. But um, I'm more of a handheld gamer. That's why I feel safer. Like there's titles for for those those uh, for the th the 3ds that are both appealing in novelty value, which I could tend to go for, but also um challenging enough that it's not like babyish but also like not too challenging because i'm terrible at games. because you're babyish at games <laughs> exactly so uh, i i i impulse bought it and uh i even did the thing of uh, i gave it to my mother so it's a present from euphoria that, exactly that i did uh, that i'm gonna open on christmas day everyone's like oh you got a ds what's it like it's like i don't know like, i'm opening on christmas day so i can play it on christmas day and then ignore the family yeah but um and now it's made me getting you Christmas presents easier because now I'm just going to get you some 3DS games. But yeah, it's just one of those, I went up the counter and I was like, I missed. Like, like literally, Ken, wasn't, Ken didn't say this. We were there for two hours. Ken's not like, I'm thinking of getting a 3DS. No, we were just wandering around and just as he went up to pay, it's like, I want a 3DS. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw it behind the guy and I was like, I want a DS. I, I want one of those. And it's just the kind of, kind of thing because like, I, I enjoy casual gaming. Uh, or, like, I liked my DS, but like I I I bought a DS initially, and I do admit that I, I stopped playing it. You didn't even finish Pokemon or uh, Pokemon uh, White. 
but I can now, Gar, because yeah. it's backwards compatible on like other uh, ridiculous consoles. Yeah, Xbox One and PS4, you can't play Xbox Three or P uh, Xbox Three or PS3 and Xbox Three Sixty games on. What an absolute chip! It is a chip. But Whereas Wii U, you can play Wii games on. 3DS, you can play DS games on. No, like I'm one of those people that's kind of cautious with my money because you know when you live on your own, you have to keep an eye on that stuff. But I just I had money and I was just like, you know what? Yeah, I want to get back into a bit of a bit of. Uh, handheld gaming and i and the head of nintendo marketing just said yesterday that the 3ds isn't going anywhere so yeah it's gonna be around for a while it's already five years old four years old yeah I, and th I, there is no better system for software on the market than the 3ds yeah like there is bundles and bundles of classic games on that system already exactly i like the idea of being able to download the classic games i like to i like uh the fact that you know i can play super mario and pokemon those are my kind of main jams on, on, the, on the nintendo ds so uh, uh, just a quick uh, 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 run through the DS. What what is the, what are the ones that are are going to be good for your yeah? Just out money? this just out this year is Triforce Heroes, which is kind of a, a multiplayer co-op Zelda dungeon crawler. It is it is an uh, an online game, but you can play it offline too because it's it's three people going through a dungeon together. So you, you go online and you get either two friends or two random people from the internet to go through it. But if you're you're playing by yourself, they give you two kind of dolls there, there's a word for what they call them they're just kind of like static things that you can put in place because like certain puzzles require you to be standing in certain places stuff like that so you can control the three different ones and put them where they need to be okay so it is it's a, it's a multiplayer game. it's designed to be multiplayer but they've incorporated single player into it uh there's happy home designer animal crossing happy home designer which is um it's uh, like i saw people give out about this game and uh, what annoys me is there is a difference between a game that is bad and a game that's not for you. You know? Exactly. This is a game where you design houses in the Animal Crossing universe. And the thing is, that's what Nintendo has been clever about. Because they've created games for for girls who are usually excluded from gaming culture. For young kid, children, for older adults as well. So, like... That's, that's what defined kind of the DS and Wii era. Exactly. I mean, like, you have to take it on its merits. And you have to take it for who it's intended for as well. Yeah. It's like this game is, is probably not a, it might, I don't know, it might be a game I'd love, but it's not a game that's specifically made and aimed at me. And there's also, um, we mentioned it, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. Which Gary was going to play personally, so he'll be able to tell you all about it. Yeah, which is out in Europe at the moment. It's not out into the US in, until January, actually. So we got it early. So if you want to really disappoint a child on Christmas Day, it's like, I got you this, but you can't have it until next month. Yeah, suck at Americans. And there's the, there's the usuals. There's uh, Mario games on 3DS. There's like Super Mario 3D Land. There is New Super Mario Bros. 2. Uh, Zelda games, there's Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, as well as A Link Between Worlds. And Pokemon, there's Pokemon X and Y. And Pokemon Alpha uh, or Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. I got Pokemon X. Yeah. Because it's blue and I like blue. I have X as well, actually. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, what, what are the starters like? uh they're not bad are they i i, I think i i've saw, seen them but it's been a while since i've seen them i remember thinking they're the most uh like the first three for a while yeah and that, like some people say that's repetitive but they got really dumb for a while they did so like i, I particularly didn't like like gen fours and yeah, gen fives were all right but yeah they're always they're pretty good my christmas morning is going to be spent playing pokemon yeah just uh, just like 1998 <laughs> i'm gonna really look forward to getting uh a mario game i think and there's a couple of other games that i'm looking forward to getting I'm not going to mention them because I don't want to see your eyes just in case you, you, you've gotten it right. Yeah. But um, that's gaming. Games. That's games. games. Yeah. Can can Impulse Spot a 3DS? Impulse Spot a 3DS is the, is the, the, the crux of the story. <laughs> yeah. 
what are the games that you're most looking forward to getting your hands on on Christmas morning? Let us know your must-haves by dropping us a tweet at TWSKK, or if you prefer, you can track us down on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. This week's netpicks are coming up after a spot of promotional consideration. Stick around. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You're listening to the Weekend Show with myself, Ken Kidney, and my co-host, Garrett. Time now for our favorite segment, netpicks. If you are a Weekend Show noob, noob, here's how it goes. We have selected some wonderful diversions that can be purveyed in your spare time, hosted on the Information Superhighway. Welcome to 1996. That's the internet in today's week. What have we got first this week, Gar? I'm not above a bout of shameless self-promotion, Ken. <laughs> Proceed. Uh, yeah, this week I was on the We Don't Know Wrestling podcast with, with Sam and Tanner and Case was also on Case. Uh, all, the fa- all the famous names Yeah, all the famous names Talking about pro wrestling They invited me on Because I'm obviously a superstar It has been More people listen to that Than listen to this So I shouldn't give out too much Yeah, so You know If you like that podcast Also listen to ours Yeah, so if you go and listen to We, we Don't Know Wrestling Which I actually plugged the weekend show on We Don't Know Wrestling So, so you know symbiotic experience I was, I was on top of things I said I'd return the favor But it was a good time We talked about wrestling We rated each other on star ratings as friends uh, Tanner is a lovely fellow and it was it was his birthday yesterday so happy birthday Tanner happy birthday Tanner yeah Ken listened I did I, it, it's fun it was, it was it was fun like basically all you did was argue for an hour yeah, and that, a half that, that's what the podcast is and just, just people shouting at each other and calling and, each other names and, and running each other down in creative ways <laughs> yeah but it was it was a hoot to listen to so I do recommend it as well yeah so at soundcloud.com forward slash we don't know wrestling it's it's the episode we came for hot takes I believe I think we that's came what, for hot takes I think that's what Sam called it yeah Listen to my episodes. Well, you can listen to other ones, but my one is important. My first pick is also a podcast. Game. We're on a podcast here because my second one's a podcast too. Oh dear, it's a uh, podcast picks this week. We've got to stop recommending podcasts that are well. Well, we don't know wrestling. It's objectively better than ours, but let's face it, surprisingly awesome and and, and serial. They're better than our podcast, but way still, we're gonna bury the lead, Karen. <laughs> yeah. My first pick is surprisingly awesome by Gimlet. Uh, it's by comedy director. Adam Kay and writer Adam Davidson. Adam Davidson is a New York Times Magazine economics columnist and he is the co-founder of Planet Money, which Garrett listens to as well. I think, I think we plugged Planet Money at one stage or another on the show. Yeah, you definitely mentioned it. Adam McKay is the is a writer and director known for films like Anchorman, Talladega Nights and Step Brothers. He was also a former head writer of SNL. Basically anything with Will Ferrell in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he is that's his closest collaborator. Uh, basically, it's taking a close look at theme, th- things and themes that seem uh, boring at a first glance and to find out what's awesome about them. But the thing is, like, they don't produce it in a way that they make everything seem awesome in the end. If something's terrible or doesn't is not awesome, they will acknowledge it. Or like, basically, the episode usually takes the stance of one person trying to convince the other, and then at the end of the episode, if he succeeded or not. So it's kind of it's it's a funny format. It's a cute little format. Uh, topics like mold, free throws. Concrete and Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Is, uh, is that a song? You know, I get knocked down. Oh, that's but that, I get up again. That's a good song. But it, uh, why does do why does anyone need convincing that that's a good song? But basically, no, it's interesting because um, they're actually actually they're actually formed as a political band. Oh. So uh, and their music says something about the the cultural climate of the 
the UK at the time, kind of Thatcher's. Thatcher Miners thing. Thatcher's Miners thing. So they're actually uh, an affront to that. And uh, they basically joined the mainstream and signed with a record label who they publicly uh, 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 criticized in one of their songs. So they sold out, essentially. They sold out in order to buy buy into their own agenda. So what they did was, for example, they let um, uh, a car company use uh, thub something in one of their one of their commercials, and they was like, well, "How could you do that?" But then they gave all the, the hundred thousand they got to all these kind of uh, workers groups. And so, like so they're tearing the system down from the inside. Basically, yeah. So they allowed themselves to be taken in by the mainstream to to basically tear the mainstream down. Exactly. So so they, they so. In fairness, it's the only way to get their message to the masses. So they use the system to their advantage. So it's a very interesting podcast. It's very well produced. Gimlet have very nice sounding podcasts. Yeah. I recommend it. You Home can... of Mystery Show and Startup and Reply All. Yeah, I recommend all those podcasts. So, you know, I recommend Gimlet in general. And please recommend us also Gimlet. But yeah. no big, you know, if you don't want it to be kind, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so you can find it at Gimlet.com. Yep, on to another podcast, Ken, the podcast of all podcasts. The podcasts that kind of brought podcasts into the mainstream after years of existing solely in the, the depths of the internet. Serial is back this week, Ken. Are you, are you Serial? I'm Serial, Ken. Do you listen to Serial? I don't. Yeah, I've always... It, it's, Convince me. It's essentially a, a true crime podcast hosted by Sarah Koenig. It's a spin-off of This American Life, so, you know, it comes from that kind of very NPRE pedigree. I love NPR. Yeah, they produce good stuff. Uh, last season went through the case of Adnan Syed and whether or not he killed his girlfriend. Uh, this year, they go uh, each season they go through a kind of a crime or a, a kind of a true crime case of some sort and go through the the very nitty gritty of it. And this year they're talking about Bo Bergdahl, who was uh, who went AWOL in I think it's Afghanistan and was kidnapped by the the Taliban and was eventually returned in hostage hostage exchange and kind of vilified in a way for for going AWOL. Is he homeland? Yes, <laughs> he's homeland. Uh, so that's the case this year. It came back this week. I always I always feel especially the first season because the first season was dealing with like the death of a person, and it's it's. It's it's almost turning it into entertainment. It's almost all it's it's right on the edge of almost making it feel fictionalized, you know? Yeah. As if this is a story being told as opposed to reporting of a story. But it is it's 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 an NPR podcast, so it's it's very well produced. I, I do feel slightly bad listening to it though, because of that. It's just like should should I be enjoying someone going through the nitty gritty of a murder? God, this is supposed to be Netflix. Don't try and don't try and like undermine my own netpick yeah basically talk people into it and then talk people out of it again yeah but it's, it's addictive listening like if you start listening to it you, you'll want to, to go episode to episode which is the reason i'm kind of like is that feels feels a little slimy because <laughs> a real person died <laughs> but still serial taking over the world ken what's your what's your last netpicks my final Netflix or picks or pick is catastrophe which is a british sitcom available on all four uh, which is Channel 4's uh, streaming service where you can kind of catch up on shows. It's also available on YouTube. Although I'm not terribly certain. I think maybe when they launched All 4, they kind of got rid of the YouTube thing because it was undermining it a bit. Although I think they kind of uh, may have still have both. It's starring Rob Delaney and Sharon Horgan. They basically co-created it uh, and they star in it, which, is, which, is, uh, which makes the show a lot better, I think, because they, like, basically they're performing their own material. 
And basically, they met each other as comedians, and they just kind of discussed the idea of, of how funny it would be to have a sitcom about people who were met in weird circumstances, but have been uh, like married. So they wanted to look at marriage, but um, they kind of pair, they kind of they wanted to kind of come in with the sitcom in in the midst of a marriage. But then they kind of decided to kind of throw a curveball and say like these people met as as a kind of a one night stand. Basically, he's from America. He, he meets her in London. She's Irish. And they basically ride each other for a week. That's uh, Irish for Fair having enough. sex. And uh, she ends up pregnant. And uh, they decide to give it a go. And uh, this, this comes about their burgeoning relationship while dealing with being uh, parents to a child that they had not anticipated having together because they weren't a couple beforehand. I like the way you say riding is Irish for sex as if like it's, it's the Irish language word for sex. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, Basically, it's interesting because, you know, she's a bit older. She's kind of pushing 40 and it's about her kind of coming to terms with having a child with someone she doesn't know. And th- the reason I really like it is because the dialogue seems spontaneous. Uh, it's often very funny. My girlfriend commented, I watched the first two episodes on a plane and I would not stop laughing <laughs> to the point where she was embarrassed. <laughs> she just kept sitting in her seat. Like, like, shut up. I'm moving. <laughs> but uh, it just seems really natural dialogue. Like, like you know... It's funny because it hits home because I'm in a relationship and you can see parts of your relationship in it. Like the most ridiculous arguments you have over stupid things. Yeah. Uh, so it's really authentic. Uh, very, very sharp writing by Sharon Horgan, who's actually doing a show with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker as well in New York. So she's very much the toast of, of the writing community at the moment. It's available on, on all four. Uh, on Hulu, uh, Amazon, I think I have I it. I think as Amazon well. have it as well. Yeah. So um, you'll be able to find it if you want to see it, and I do recommend it. Very funny. That's our Netflix. It seems that there are no more Netflix in a Netflix jar. That's the best I could come up with. I'm sorry. It's it's slightly related to Christmas. We eat cookies at Christmas. We will go shopping to refill it in time for next week, or we may might make Jar Jar go get it because <laughs> this it's is a, a jar. <laughs> If you check out any of our suggestions, we are curious to know what you think. Let us know on Twitter at TWSKK or on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. Even if you hate them, we want to hear from you. We always love a good Twitter war, Gar. You're always get, you're getting much better at the, the Twitter plugs as well, Ken. Uh, no, it's the Facebook one I usually mess up, but uh, thank you for recalling a dark period in my podcasting career. And just incepting you for next week. Damn it. Or, or the outro. The outro is going to be a disaster. It's still to come, you bastard. <laughs> Just time for one last break before coming right back to wrap up the show with details of next week's episode. Don't go away. You're listening to the Weekend Show Podcast with Ken Kidney. Download every Sunday at soundcloud.com slash the weekend show. Okay, Game Masters, if you're out there listening, thank you for taking the time to click play on the podcast. Also, if you're a downloader, we like you too. We're not going to discriminate. You can find a new episode every Sunday at soundcloud.com forward slash the weekend show. And we also reside on the iTunes. You may have heard of it. Speaking of which, if you like the show, why not take the time to write us an old review? If you do, we will let you have a go on our new game at Christmas time. What's our game? You know, like, you know, we're getting games for Christmas and we'll let people oh, have a go because okay. to review our, our podcast, to show up at our house. I'm sure you know where it is. If you're having weekend show withdrawals, you can catch our best bits on YouTube. Just search TWSKK. As always, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. And where can they find us on Twitter, girl? At TWSKK. 
Next week, it's Christmas Part 2 when we talk Christmas songs and movies. Our theme music is by the very talented Mr. John. And until next time, say goodbye, girl. Bye bye. Take it easy, everybody.